five, four, three, two, one. Lift off of the Falcon 9. Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. Welcome to the SpaceQ Podcast. Today we start our annual summer series with a podcast on satellite servicing. Satellite servicing is going from the realm of, I wish we could do this, to becoming a reality. Tomorrow, we'll see the first launch of a communication satellite with a satellite mission extension vehicle attached to it. The customer is Intelsat, and the mission extension vehicle, known as MEV, is built by Northrop Grumman. An MEV has previously flown as a separate demonstration mission. This MEV, MEV-2, will launch attached to Intelsat-30 and then separate and service the Intelsat-1002 satellite before moving on to service another customer. You can watch the launch on SpaceQ. There are several legacy companies looking to garner a share of the satellite servicing market, along with a slew of startups. There are many issues facing all those interested in satellite servicing. To work towards technical and safety standards, DARPA funded a new organization that is industry-led to work towards technical and safety standards. Today, Brian Whedon, the Executive Director of the Consortium for Execution of Rendezvous and Servicing Operations, known as CONFERS, will provide an in-depth look at what the organization is doing and the challenges ahead. His talk was part of the Future in Space Operations Telecon, which was recorded on July 29th. I should note that Brian is also the Director of Program Planning for the Secure World Foundation. Listen in. Thank you, Dallas. I uh, appreciate it very much, and thank you to both you and Dan for inviting me to go do this. Um, hi, everyone. Happy to be back. Uh, it's been, I think, a couple of years since I last had the opportunity to uh, do one of these types of talks. And um, I, just, <laughs> I just have to say uh, hello to Chris Gaynor. Uh, Chris and I, uh, we met oh, uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, we were both working on a master's degree in North Dakota. So hello, Chris. Hope things are well. <laughs> um, so today, uh, you know, I'm going to give you an update about where we are with confers, uh, and, and, you know, thank you, Dallas, for spelling that out a couple of times. I don't have to because I often don't remember the whole uh, acronym myself. Um, uh, you, know, you guys had a – there was a briefing about the confers back when we first getting started. I'm going to repeat a little bit of that in the beginning because I'm not sure – I can't – you know, I'm not sure if everyone here has already heard of it before. Uh, but we're going to focus most of this on sort of what CONFERS has been doing for the last uh, two-plus years that it's been in operation and sort of what products we've been putting out, how we're being organized, and then a little bit at the end of where we're going to be going in the future. Uh, so if you can move to slide two, uh, the CONFERS objectives, well, just broadly, um, CONFERS is a program originally started by DARPA, and, and the thinking was that, you know, DARPA felt that, that a robust, um, uh, profitable commercial satellite servicing sector would be in the interest of the United States and the Department of Defense and contribute to a whole range of, of national interests. And a key part of establishing that robust commercial servicing industry is dealing with some of the non-technical issues uh, sorry, uh, things outside of just pure economics and engineering, things like 
safety standards um, and, and, you know, norms of behavior and transparency, things that would need to sort of help support the development of that new industry. Um, so, so DARPA started out funding confers uh, a few a couple of years ago, and the main goal was to create an independent industry forum that would advocate and promote for commercial satellite servicing, and that also that forum would bring together people from these different companies and, and, and you know, academic institutions involved in different aspects of satellite servicing to collaborate and research and develop and publish uh, voluntary consensus technical and safety standards. Uh, and the hope that those standards would help foster a better uh, commercial industry. Converse also does a lot of engagement with governments on policy and oversight of commercial satellite servicing. Uh, this is, you know, an area where a lot of governments are still trying to figure out how they're going to license and regulate satellite servicing, uh, what, what their national policy is going to be on satellite servicing. So we do quite a bit of engagement with governments all over the world. Um, Confers itself is an industry consortium. So our members are all companies or other private sector entities like think tanks um, or um, you know, universities who are involved and are stakeholders in the international satellite servicing community. The program is initially supported by DARPA, uh, but we were started with the plan to eventually transition to being a fully private sector supported uh, entity uh, over a period of several years. So moving on to, uh, to slide three, when we say standards, uh, a lot of people might first come to mind something like, you know, a USB plug or, you know, a, the, the, the standard for Wi-Fi. Those are what we would call, um, you know, interfaces. Um, and that is certainly something we're focusing on. But we are looking at standards from a little bit broader aperture. So, yes, we're absolutely thinking about standards in terms of, interfaces for satellites to plug into other satellites and possibly do things like data transfer or power transfer or uh, connect to do towing. But we're also looking at operational practices, things like behaviors uh, for how you approach another satellite, uh, particularly if it's tumbling, um, how you might, you know, uh, do certain different types of rendezvous and proximity operations. We also are looking at standards and, and practices, best practices with accounts to data exchange and sharing. So what sorts of data products might you need to uh, exchange with the client for salad servicing um, before something happens, while it's happening, and, you know, does that have to be in the form of an email, or do we need some sort of more, more rigorous, you know, specific data format for that data? Uh, and then finally, transparency. Um, there's always been a lot of concerns about commercial servicing because some of the technologies could be used for aggressive or nefarious purposes. And, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen you know, accusations by the U.S. government about a Russian satellite that was doing some rendezvous and proximity operations uh, as being a, a type of weapons test. So one of our other big focus areas where they confers is the steps that commercial servicing can take to uh, discriminate these commercial activities 
from military potential aggressive activities. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with transparency. So what are the sorts of standards and practices we can put in place to demonstrate that these commercial things are not like are, are not you know military activities and they can be more transparent about what's what's going on. So those are the four main buckets of, of different types of things when we say standards. Slide four uh, shows a slide of our current membership. Uh, we're sitting here right now at about 40 members. Um, I apologize, not all of them are on this slide because we've had some changes uh, in the last week or two since I've uh, the last been able to update this graphic. Um, but I wanted to point out here that the, the majority of our members are U.S. companies, but we do have some international companies. We have uh, Astroscale from Japan, um, Gitai, who we mentioned, I just heard was going to be briefing next week. They're from Japan. They're doing some really cool stuff with robotics. Uh, we have a, you know, a couple of Canadian companies. Uh, we have um, some European countries like Talzalania. Uh, and so we're, we're definitely, as I, as I mentioned kind of earlier, it's, this is not a U.S. centric thing. This is an international sector of, of, of space that is emerging. And we need to think about standards from an international perspective. Uh, we also have several companies here who are, oh, we have members here that are primarily doing engaged in servicing themselves. We also have some members that are not doing servicing, but maybe building components or building, um, you know, aspects of, of materials and things that will be integrated into servicer. And we have a few other members that are potential customers of servicing. And then we have some, you know, third-party service providers like insurance companies or space situational commercial, space situational awareness companies, all who are uh, potential members or all who are members. Moving to slide five, um, how we're organized. Uh, so, this, and this has been a bit of a transition for us over the last couple of years. Again, we, we've been building this organization from scratch uh, since the you know the end of 2017. So we have an executive committee uh, that is made up of six members or six representatives that are elected from the Confer's membership, uh, and then we have two statutory. Um, I'm one of them, and then we have a second one from uh, from Advanced Technology International. ATI and Secure World are both under contract to DARPA to be the secretariat for the consortium. So, so we're there, you know, keeping the lights on, keeping things running, handling out of the day-to-day -day things. Um, and I serve in that role as executive director. However, as we've stood up the executive committee uh, and sort of, you know, had them in work for the last year and a half, we started to move more and more of the decisions and of the sort of the day to day running of things, I'm not only over the executive committee, over to our members. So we now have three formal working groups, uh, and the, the intent of the working groups uh, is to give our members a chance to collaborate together and work on topics sort of constantly, and not just when we happen to have events that we're going to talk about uh, in, in the next slide. Um, so we have a technical working group. Uh, that is native of our members and some subject matter experts from governments uh, that is, you know, continuing to work on some issues related to technical standards. I'll get to those details in a couple of slides. Uh, we have a policy working group that is mainly working on, you know, what are our positions on some of the big policy topics out there, like space traffic management or how to regulate satellite servicing. 
uh, and also, you know, sort of the public groups help manage the feedback and the interactions we provide to governments. And then uh, our newest addition is a lexicon working group, uh, and their focus is to work on terminology. Uh, this is a really big issue for a lot of industries, but not surprisingly also the space world, the servicing world. Uh, so, you know, may surprise you that we have all kinds of really deep in the weeds discussions about docked versus docking versus birthing versus all different kinds of terminology and what is used when, how is it defined, and how can we move towards a more standardized set of terminology so that we all know what's going on. And so when one company goes out and is talking to a customer, you know, the terms they're using are the same thing that that customer is also using internally and that some other um, you know, one of the other companies is also using. So we're not having to get, you know, relearn terms all the time or, or get confused. So those are standing. They meet basically meet on a on a monthly basis for a telecon and then occasionally outside of that. So slide six talks about um, the activities we've been engaged in. Uh, and these activities are primarily workshops that we put on for our members and then also some observers and some, some government social better experts. Uh, we've been doing roughly three a year uh, since 2018. Uh, and, and if you look at that list, they're mostly in the U.S., but occasionally we try and also do one internationally. Um, so, in, for example, in 2018, uh, we had one in Bremen, Germany, that was uh, synced up with the International Astronomical Congress that year. Uh, and then last year, 2019, we had one that was in London, uh, to, to uh, mainly because, you know, you have UK governments doing quite a bit of work on uh, potential licensing frameworks for, for servicing. Um, this year, of course, because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to have any in-person meetings, uh, but we've managed to carry out now three virtual workshops where we've been able to, to kind of continue the work. And essentially, these workshops are ways we can get together uh, formally in person, but most recently virtually uh, with our members to talk about issues, uh, to, you know, discuss, you know, the inner workings of how to put together, you know, best practices and standards, um, and just kind of generally, you know, get work done. We also have a set of events that we call the Global Satellite Servicing Forum. This is a public event in comparison to the uh, invite-only or members-only workshops that we have. And we do this generally annually. The first one is in November 2018. We then had one last October, and we're currently planning on holding a virtual one uh, at the end of this October. And, and these are, you know, generally a one-day, maybe a day-and-a-half forum where we can talk about all the stuff that's going on in the servicing community, give our members a chance to show off all the cool things they're doing, have some panel discussions about, you know, what are the key issues from the business standpoint, the policy standpoint, something to work through, and just sort of, you know, again, spend that day focusing on what's happening in servicing, where's the commercial servicing sector going. So if we move now to, to slide seven, um, this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting into the, the products that we've been able to produce. And I'm, I'm very happy about this because when this first started, you know, the notion of can we get, well, first of all, there was thunder wondering, are there even anybody working on service? And the answer was, of course, yes. 
the second question is, can you even get them all together in the same room and get them talking and exchanging ideas? That was difficult, but the answer is yes. Uh, and then can you actually get them to agree on anything was an even more challenging thing. And I'm happy to say we've been able to do that. So the, the very first thing that we published, uh, and by the way, these, hyper, these are all hyperlinks. Uh, so those of you who are looking at the, uh, who downloaded a copy, that the hyperlink should still work and it should take you to our website where these are all public. Um, if not, uh, let me know and I can send you links afterwards. Or you can just go to our website. Uh, the bottom right corner is satelliteconfers.org is the name of it under resources and publications. Um, you can find all these things. So the first thing we published were the guiding principles. That was at the end of 2018. Uh, and these are just kind of a, a high-level principles that are we think should be guiding commercial rendezvous crop stops and satellite servicing. Um, the second thing we published was a set of design and operational practices. We actually published the first edition uh, at the end of 18, and then we published a revised edition at the end of 2019. Uh, and, and these take go one step further and say, you know, these are the things that you should be doing either in your design or in your planning or in your operations to improve safety and transparency. We then published uh, at the end of last year what we call our satellite servicing mission phases. And this is a diagram uh, where we have attempted to discriminate what are all the different phases or parts of a rendezvous and proxy or satellite servicing mission. Uh, and then, you know, how do we define where those stop and end? Um, and, and I'll talk about in a couple of slides why that was important. Uh, and then finally is the lexicon of terms that I mentioned. Uh, again, this is something that we started a couple of years ago, and it's been a living document ever since. So the next couple of slides go through each of these uh, in more detail. Slide eight, um, the, the conferred principles, uh, these are... Basically, no-brainers, right? We these are things that you know most people would you know would say in the U.S. are you know mother of an apple pie, you know the sort of things that everyone should be able to agree with, agree about. Uh, but we felt it was good to make them all explicit. Um, so the first is that all personalized servicing will be consensual, and that you will always be doing it with explicit permission from another entity, whether that's for an inspection or or a docking or um, a, a repositioning or, or whatever you're going to be doing, it needs to be consensual. Um, the second is that it needs to be in compliance with whatever the laws and regulations are. Uh, now, the, of course, the caveat here is that a lot of that relevant laws and regulations are still in work, but in general, we're going to, they're all going to be compliant with the principles outlined in the Outer Space Treaty and the other major pieces of, of international law, and then also whatever the, the various countries have put in place for their national regulations uh, and, and policies. The third is we're going to be responsible. Uh, generally, basically means, you know, uh, as uh, uh, my, my wife likes to say, you know, we've got the Boy Scout motto, right? You know, leave nothing behind, be responsible, you know, treat the space environment like, like you want it to be treated, um, you know, treat other space operators like you want to. Just kind of be responsible in general and, and, and try to, you know, leave things in a better place than, than the way you found them. Uh, and then finally, transparency. It's back to what I was talking about before, about sort of, you know, going a little bit out of your way and a little bit beyond what the bare minimums are 
to be transparent about what you're doing uh, to offset that potential misperception about these commercial activities and what's actually going on. Excuse me, Brian. Sure, go ahead. Hey, Brian, um, this is I – don't, I don't mean to be critical at, at all, but, but I can see – the strong advantage in in these uh, guidelines and principles as being something to be worked out between those doing servicing and those uh, our clients. That is, a servicer and a client has to have all this stuff understood. But I'm wondering what what's the what's the benefit of having industry wide agreement on this? Can you can you give me, for example, a couple of made-up stories about what might happen if you don't have an industry agreement on all of these? Sure, absolutely. Um, so, uh, for example, uh, let's say you have um, – uh, 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 let's talk about uh, the consensual bit. Um, let's say you've got someone who you know wants to get into the debris removal business and goes up and just grabs a piece of debris and pulls it down and sort of just, you know, did it unannounced, didn't talk about it beforehand, didn't get – uh, you know, didn't get permission from the, the, the launching kit that owned it. Um, that would be quite a showy display of their capabilities and their technologies and would certainly garner quite a bit of, of earned media attention that may suit, you know, perhaps their, their business model. Um, but it's definitely going to upset several governments uh, and, you know, sort of make the whole rest of the industry and other companies that may want to do the same thing that may make that actually harder for them to get licensing uh, or to get permission to go do things. Because the question is, well, okay, you know, these guys didn't follow the law or, or you know, didn't didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. Um, so, you know what, we're going to add more regulations. So we're going to, you know, tighten things down or maybe even say you can't go do this just because, you know, somebody else wasn't behaving well. Um, so that's one example. Another might be someone uh, that, you know, Maybe, uh, wasn't, wasn't really, and this is more on the next slide when I talk about in the practices, but, you know, maybe was, was rushing to get their, their platform on orbit, um, didn't really, you know, take the time to understand what's going on, maybe they're new to the business, and ends up doing a, a rendezvous with a, with an object, another object, in a way that is unsafe, you have to say maybe they hit. Um, and that damages the client. Um, that could have repercussions from the industry because this is not something that's proven before. Right? There's still some, some potential customers that are wondering just how safe is it for somebody to go service my satellite. So that sort of a thing could, again, have negative business repercussions for the old industry. Does that get to what you're wondering about? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you very much. I guess also to some extent uh, the whole confers uh, arrangement tries to guarantee that a client will be able to find a compatible servicer. You know, if you if you develop a, a satellite with a with a certain uh, a certain design um, aimed at a certain servicer, and that servicer goes out of business, you're screwed. And and, and this way, with a you know sort of a, a common standards approach, um, you know, if you if you're that client, you can look around and say, hey, there are a bunch of people that can do this. So that's absolutely the goal. Absolutely. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. That all makes yeah. a lot of sense. Thank you very much. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, although I'll say we're not quite there yet with the interfaces, but that is that is absolutely the goal that I think a lot of our members realize is you know trying to get the 
you know, if it's hard enough to get the um, the satellite operator community to make changes to their designs, maybe add weight uh, just for, for servicing, it's even harder if you tell them they have to do it and pick which company they're going to be service giving service by, and if they pick wrong, you know, that sort of, you know, it doesn't work anymore. So I think there's absolutely a good case to be made for that sort of standardization from an interface standpoint. Okay, great. So, uh, so, so going to slide nine now and the practices, um, like I said, the practices get into more details about the planning and design of things. And there's, there's four big, four main categories that we talked about here. Um, one are just recommendations and how you should design servicer vehicles and operations for mission success. And we talk about having a layered approach and looking at things, you know, not just the hardware, but also software, the ground segment and mission ops security. Um, we talk about what you were just getting at. Number two there, we talk about the importance of designing future satellites, both servicing satellites and potential client vehicles to help make the servicing more uh, safer and more efficient. Um, we talked about sharing information um, on, on how we were on how we resolve anomalies. Because we're going to have anomalies, which you know, fancy word for something went wrong, something happened that we didn't expect. It was unexpected or maybe even wrong. Well, how do we share that among the servicing community in a way that protects intellectual property, protects competitiveness, but also helps everyone learn from everybody else's mistakes so we're not having a bunch of people repeating all these mistakes? Uh, and then finally, practices for promoting the law in terms of sustainability of space. Uh, because, you know, this is sort of the ultimate goal. We all want to be doing what we're currently doing in space and doing even more things in space. I guess what FISA was all about. So how do we make sure that we're, we're the things we're doing in space are going to preserve that long-term sustainability? Um, moving to slide 10, this is uh, that phase diagram that I mentioned. Uh, and this is, again, attempt, no matter whether you're doing um, inspections or orbit transfers or refueling or you know, swapping our components, whatever you happen to be doing, we've built this to try and have, you know, here are the different phases you kind of have to go through in that whole operation. And if you notice, each one of them has a, a number next to it. Um, that, that We have a document that corresponds to this this, doc, this image, excuse me, that uh, outlines sort of when that phase starts and stops. And, and what we see this is doing as sort of the roadmap of, okay, now let's talk about all the potential risks and hazards of each of these phases, and then the mitigation things and the standards we can put in place to help to help minimize um, the, those risks. So slide 11 uh, talks about the, the, the lexicon. Um, you know, uh, this has got a sampling of something we've agreed to. Um, one thing I do want to point out is that if you look at most of the literature on satellite servicing, particularly the astrodynamics community or the engineering community, they use the phrase target and chaser to review the things. Um, the commercial industry is not using those terms. Uh, this gets back to the, the perception issue that I was getting at earlier. Uh, we're talking about things like client and servicer uh, rather than target and chaser because we want to, again, make this explicit distinction between the, the potential military activities maybe going on that are using somewhat similar technologies 
and what we're trying to do uh, in the commercial world. Uh, slide 12. Uh, so what I've talked about prior to this is the work that Confers itself did among its members. We have taken that work and we've actually uh, brought it to the International Organization of Standards, ISO, uh, which is you know one of the one of the, not the biggest international standards bodies. And they have started work on a new international standard on satellite servicing based on what we brought them. So sort of how the process worked is we were kind of looking around at all the different national and international standard bodies. Uh, we were looking at the work that we were putting together. Uh, and, you know, the technical committee 20, subcommittee 14, working group 3, that's a, a big, long descriptor for the, the little part of ISO that, handle space operations, uh, and we saw that as a good initial forum that we wanted to sort of interface with for getting this whole discussion of servicing standards started. Um, so we submitted a new work item proposal, uh, sorry, the United States submitted a new work item proposal, proposal to Working Group 3 um, based on a, a draft that we had put together that itself was derived from those principles practice I mentioned earlier. Um, that was a that, that proposal was approved by Working Group Three last July, and uh, since then there have been a group of experts from eight different countries. You see them listed there: Brazil, France, Germany, Japan, Russia, Ukraine, UK, and US, who have been meeting to revise a table we submitted and revise and update it. Um, and turn it into what is now the ISO draft standard 24330. Uh, that has, you know, been for the last year or so, they've been working on that. Uh, we anticipate that they're going to move that to what they call the committee draft stage later this summer. Um, and then once that happens, uh, we anticipate that this may actually come out as a, as an official ISO standard 24330, uh, next, sorry, the spring of 21. Hey, would Brian? You, would you, would you, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Now, question, why um, for initial standard do you pursue that through ISO as opposed to an organization that uh, also does standards uh, like AIAA, which is more specific yeah. to the space community, right? Yeah. So it's much broader yeah. charter. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you look up there on our, uh, um, well, we had a whole internal discussion about which entity. So you mentioned AIAA, uh, there's ECSS, which is a standard body for, for Europe. Um, there, there's a handful of others uh, that, that, are, that are standard bodies, international and international. We saw ISO as the place in part because we knew they were already thinking about this, that within their space operations group, uh, that they had already been talking about rendezvous, crop stops, a couple other things, and also because of the content. Um, th this first standard is very high level. It, it, you know, we, it doesn't say, for example, here's a standard refueling interface. We just haven't gotten to that point within the industry that we can agree on what that would be. This is much more on sort of like I mentioned, the behavioral things. So what do you do when you're kind of thinking about, about mission planning or design? Um, how about the approaches? So it's, it's up, up a couple levels at the behavior level of activities. And, and we thought that, you know, A, it should be international because again, this is, we're talking about 
servicing, potentially being done by international companies and with international customers. So we definitely wanted an uh, international body. Uh, and again, you know, working group three, the space operations people were already again, thinking along those lines. But that's, that's really a lot of excited to it. But what I'll say at the, I think it's the bottom. Um, well, actually, so as I said on that third bullet from the top, um, our goal, we're not done. Right? This is the very, very first initial thing. We are continuing to work on a handful of internal products and some more technical things. And, and, and as those evolve and mature, we're going to be looking for where else those might emerge as standards and which standards might have to work that through. Um, and, and we have a couple in mind that may be great candidates, something through AIAA or, or some other body. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, so moving on to, to slide 13, uh, just a little bit here about what we've been doing for international outreach. Uh, as I said, you know, this is something that's very important to us. Uh, because while the vast majority of our members are U.S. companies and we are being funded by DARPA, we really realize this is a, an international activity. Um, so 2018 uh, was when we started doing some international work. A lot of it was, um, you know, as we mentioned, I had a workshop in Bremen. We've been doing some presentations at various international conferences. The other thing we've done is we've done some engagement with UN COPINGOS, which is the United Nations Committee on the Peaceful Uses of Outer Space. They have a scientific and technical subcommittee that meets every February in Vienna, Austria. Uh, and so we've done a couple different presentations to them about what's going on. And, and why is that important? Well, UN COPINGOS is the body that originated things like the Outer Space Treaty, and for the last 10 years have been talking about best practices and guidelines to support space sustainability and deal with all of three and deal with sort of a lot of the, 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 the non-security challenges. Um, and one of the things they've been talking about is rendezvous and proximity operations and orbital removal and uh, all that stuff that we kind of bucket under satellite service. So we've been talking with them, letting them know where we've been going. And this is a group of 98 different countries, so it was a very useful way for us to get um, some outreach. Um, so, so again, we've been trying to do what we can um, to to talk to different countries, let them know this is coming, let them know that servicing, you know, what all the potential is for satellite servicing, uh, and for those that you know have these companies or want to do some some government S and T. Funding or investment in this, we're, we're happy to, to work with them or work with their, their commercial industry, I should say. Um, slide 14, uh, a couple of things from um, our industry members uh, in terms of what they see as the, the importance of CONFERS. Um, one of the things that they always talk about is, you know, CONFERS helps bring together all these disparate voices within the servicing community. Um, so that they can sort of have a unified voice, not only on the technical issues and help bring together sort of the standards work, but also a unified voice on some of the policy and the regulatory issues. Um, so, for example, uh, last year the U.S. Department of Commerce uh, was working on a, a big rewrite 
of their of the remote sensing regulations, uh, and that was something that, that that we were very invested in because part of the remote sensing regulation is the regulation of satellites doing remote sensing of other satellites. And for quite a while, that was not allowed. You're a U.S. company. You could, there was, you know, had a license to take pictures of the Earth. You could not turn your satellite around and take pictures of other satellites for national security reasons. That is now, that was relaxed a couple of years ago. And then as part of this uh, rewrite that, that happened, it just was finalized uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, the, that burden has actually been drastically reduced. And in general, you could now, you know, take what we would call in the SSM world metric OBS of other space objects. Um, and as long as you get permission from the owner of the other object, you can also largely go ahead and, and do imagery and do other kinds of sensing. Again, that's really important because you can't do rendezvous and proc stops in a lot of the servicing without imaging and sensing the client. Um, and there's also some of our members that are working on things like space-based space situation awareness and degree characterization for which you have to do what they call again non-earth imaging. So so that was a big uh, issue to us. We put in a public comment as part of the, the commerce process. We've engaged with them quite a bit uh, and we're we're really quite pleased with the outcome of that whole process. So some of the other issues we're working on is the licensing process. Uh, right now there really isn't any country in the world that has a defined license for satellite servicing. Servicing is licensed either as sort of an extension of a radio frequency spectrum license or an extension of the remote sensing license, uh, or in most countries there just really isn't a licensing pathway at all. So we're working with governments to try and make there a, a clear, explicit way for the governments to say yes to what the companies want to do. Hey, Brian. Yeah, go ahead. This is Dallas. Wouldn't it also be an extension of the launch approval process in the U.S. at least? Um, it could be, but at the moment it is not. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that's something that has been discussed uh, under the term what they call mission authorization. Uh, and right. the thinking there is that, you know, if you're doing a, if you're launching on a commercial U.S. launch vehicle, the FAA does a payload review. As part of that payload review, they could potentially um, do a, a mission authorization. That was what was done, for example, when Moon Express uh, got their license to send a commercial payload to the moon. But that has, as far as I know, has not been discussed as a potential path for servicing. The servicing is being licensed through either the FCC uh, spectrum licensing process or the NOAA no testing license process. Okay, thanks. Um, So we're talking, you know, with governments about making sure that they consider commercial servicing and services and architectures as part of the as part of the trade space for the future government spacecraft and architectures and mission areas. Um, We're we're engaging governments about the need for a future space traffic management system uh, because we think that's going to that's something that's going to be critical to helping keep space operations safe. Uh, And we're starting to think about. You know, what a sort of a, I'll call it salvaging quotes because we're not talking explicitly maritime law here, but what a sort of space salvage resource utilization world might be where you could, for example, you know, collect space debris and, and dead stuff and potentially reuse, recycle it. 
Um, so slide 15, this is a couple of the topics that we're working on right now that AB Future Publications uh, were uh, working on. So I talked about the mission phases. Uh, based on the mission phases, our members have identified nearly a 100 different uh, potential risk areas, um, but also some recommended mitigation steps for how to deal with those risks. Uh, we're hoping to publish that in some format uh, by the end of this year, and, and that is really going to be the roadmap of all the different things that we think the community members have to work on over the next few years. So some of those potential mitigations are, well, we need a standard for this, we need a standard for that, or we just need some, some better practices for this, and we need more study in this area. That's, again, things we're going to be working on. Um, one among those is communication. That's really come up with something that really needs more of our focus. Um, and, and so in that communication, we're going to go about how the, the servicer communicates to the client, how the servicer communicates to third parties, how the servicer may communicate to the public, and whether, again, this is just emails and press releases or whether we actually need, you know, standardized data formats and, and, and messaging um, interfaces. And then the third one, we've talked about a little bit already, is standardized interfaces. Uh, we've talked about this. Um, what we really want to try and avoid, for those of you who remember some of the format wars of HD-DVD versus Blu-ray or VHS and beta, um, so the question was asked earlier, we really would like to try and get the community to, to to come together on some standardized interfaces because we think that'll make it much easier for the potential customers to get on board with having to modify their spacecraft or do things. But you know that's really difficult to do because you're you've got competitors and you know even just among our membership we have several different um, proprietary ideas for different types of power connection data, docking plate sort of thing. But that's something that I think we're, we're going to have to, we're going to be working on quite a bit more um, over the next couple of years. So closing to the end here on slide 16, um, how do you participate in confers? Well, if you're a private sector entity, so that's a, you know, company or an academic research institution or a, uh, a not-for-profit or NGO, you can join as a formal members. Um, and we have three different membership tiers, annual dues that are listed here. Uh, you know, the only requirement is you have to have some sort of a directly material interest in servicing and standards development. So you've got to be working on something that is related to what we're working on. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, governments cannot be formal members in CONFERS, uh, but they can participate in a lot of our activities. So we have had uh, subject matter experts from the U.K., from France, from Japan, from the U.S., from Germany, all of who have participated in different workshops and some of our technical working groups. Uh, as I said, ISO is a government forum, so there are experts from eight different companies, country, countries that have all been working on the draft standard within ISO. And as I said, you know, we've been engaging with the policy and regulatory parts of several different governments um, to, to talk about how we're going to provide oversight. So my last slide, slide 17, uh, you know, this is more information on the, the website. Um, it's contact information. If anyone has any additional questions, and I'll stop there. If anybody has additional questions, happy to answer. Excellent, Brian. Thank you for for the overview. And um, uh, I have no questions, but uh, who out there does? This is Richard Fisher. I've, I've got one. Um, uh, you may have covered this a little bit earlier, but. Um, 
I was wondering to know if if you guys did done any consideration on harvesting like upper stages and parking orbits and and uh and you know other large pieces of hardware orbiting earth. Yep. So we we have talked about it a little bit. Um none of our members currently have that as a as a near term business plan. Um but but we certainly have talked about that and just, you know, that, I mean, look, that'd be great, right? It's already up there. You don't have to worry about launching new mass. If you can, if you can recycle mass already that's in orbit, that's sort of a win on the Delta V front. Um, there are definitely some really big technical challenges to do that. And, and then along with the technical challenges, there are some, what's that called, law and policy challenges. So, for example, you have to identify who the launching state is for that object to get the permission before you get anything. And if you can't identify it, if it's not clearly obvious who that is, there's not really, a, and right now, a good path about how one would one go, go about getting that permission. So, so we have thought about that, but, but that is not something I would say we've done a ton of work on uh, in the last couple of years. Hey, Brian? Yes, sir. Go ahead, Dallas. This is Dallas. Uh, is is, is uh, Cislunar Industries one of our members? Uh... I have to check real quick. Yeah, they are. They are pursuing. At least they were. That was their business plan: was to do salvage and and recycling. So, if they're not, we should recruit them. Oh yeah, we'd be, be happy to do so. Like I said, you know, uh, I was you know, we work on the things our members ask us to work on. So, yeah. you know, if they or somebody else came up and said, "Hey, can we start working on this problem? It's important to us." Then yeah, we'll, we'll we'll bump that up the queue and start working on it. I just have not, you know, had any members that come forward and and, and mention that. Yeah, we should we should we should pursue that. I'll, I'll contact um, the founder and see if if they are or want to be. Okay, that's great. Any other questions out there? Um, and I just checked uh, Dallas. No, you guys are the only Cislunar company explicitly okay. for the company that we have. <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, I'd like to say that that uh, w we've been a member since I think since the second session or something. But uh, but we've used it in our in our documentation to help alleviate some of our workload and defining processes and using it for references in our requirements documents and and using the uh, on orbit phasing map uh, to uh, to help explain where we are operating and so I think it's a great resource and I've I've been pleased to be a participant in uh, in confers. Very happy to hear that, Dal. Thank you. <laughs> And so, so if I hear no other questions, I think we'll let everybody go about eight minutes early and uh, continue on a, a pleasant day. I hope. Actually, Dallas, here's one just just yeah. quickly, um, Brian. You know, this is really interesting. Uh, this is an industry forum. It's industry led. It's industry organized. And I'm just wondering, should it really? maybe be government organized and agency organized, at least with government organized. That is, the practices and principles you're talking about are, are so important. You'd like to believe that people are required to uh, 
um, you know, to come to agreement about that. What's to what's to prevent a servicing company from coming in and say, oh, yeah, man, we're going to do all kinds of servicing, but to hell with this confers. We're not sharing any of our proprietary stuff. We're going out on our own. Um, you know, how, how do you deal with that? Uh, well, thankfully, we haven't had that happen just yet, so I, 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 I can't give you a, uh, an explicit answer. Uh, well, look, I mean, there are lots of governments already working on this. So, of course, NASA has thought about some of this stuff because they're actively thinking of servicing in conjunction with the gateway and some, some of the other suspender activities. We're thinking about servicing in terms of the future of the ISS. Uh, we've been working with JAXA and the European Space Agency, both of whom have been thinking about this. Uh, I think the, the difference, though, is the space agencies are, are approaching this from a little bit different mindset than the companies are approaching it. And, and some of the things the agency has been working on in terms of creating standards are really from the mindset of, you know, what is the safest way to do this or or, or what would we do if we kind of had a lot of all the money in the world? And, you know, not all of those standards the agencies have been working on are, are the ways that the industry would do it. Um, and in some cases, we found that industries come up with some pretty innovative ways to do things that, uh, as opposed, that were different than what the agency wanted to do. So we've approached this in a way where we have industry involved, but we are getting input from the agency. So this whole thing we have going on with the first, we started with a, a, actually a document that NASA and the DOD put, jointly put together that was sort of the sum total of their learned experience on RPOs and servicing that they put together and they made um, public and they shared it with us. And that kind of helped ground some of our early discussions. Uh, and, and we can listen, we have engaging with the subject experts all the time, from the government experts all the time in our workshop. So we see it as more of, you know, we're definitely collaborating with them, uh, but we see the importance of having, you know, industry take a, a, a lead in, sort of saying what's in here. Uh, and just finally, as far as, you know, making sure everybody complies with this, I mean, that's sort of the downside of a, what they call a, a bottom-up approach, where you have kind of the, you know, volunteers and they become standards. I, I would say in the U.S., the way the U.S. government is approaching the licensing is they're looking to base the licensing requirements off of the industry practices and standards. So there is a potential that when they... You know, when the government, at least the U.S. government, puts a license together for servicing, they might turn around and say, you know, hey, you need to comply with the following standards developed by Confers or ISO or AAA or whoever else. Well, that's a wrap on this podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca. I read and answer all your comments in a timely fashion. You can also find SpaceQ on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook. Regardless of which app you use to listen to us, we'd really appreciate it if you could rate our podcast and write a review. Of course, that's only if you like us. Your rating and review will help us in getting the podcast widely listened to. And hey, if you like what we do, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash spaceq.com.